electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are slightly choppy here after three straight weeks of gains for S&P NASDAQ. Uh, bracing for plenty of news this week. We'll get FOMC minutes, ISM services. VIX is steady around 20. Our roadmap begins with Elon Musk and his Twitter surprise. Taking a more than 9% stake in the social media company, shares are soaring on the news. Plus, Howard Schultz returns to Starbucks. The company suspending its share repurchase program. And Diamond's warning, the CEO of J.P. Morgan saying a confluence of inflation and the Ukraine war may, quote, dramatically increase risks ahead. Also this hour, going to be joined by AMD's CEO Lisa Su and Liberty Media's CEO Greg Maffei. First, though, we're going to begin with Twitter surging this morning on news of Elon Musk's passive stake in the company, Jim, and lots of parlor games today about what he has in mind. Well, I mean, his tweets have been about having more free speech, which to me means... Uh, having more scatological uh, tweets by people who don't like him. Uh, Free speech has been, I think, what you have on Twitter, uh, except for uh, former president. So I don't know exactly, David, what he's getting at, uh, because there's more free speech than you could use on Twitter right now. Yeah, I don't. uh, By the way, that's a shared uh, viewpoint at this point. Uh, Nobody quite understands exactly what this may be other than what it is, I know, genius, right? Which is an investment. Somehow he perhaps thinks that there's a benefit uh, to owning plus or nine plus percent for him in terms of maybe the economics. Although, again, when you're as wealthy as he is, you do look for the other motive that might be right, <laughs> might but I, be there. And I'm not quite sure what it is. It's well, passive. We should point that out again. Uh, it's a 13G. Uh, it's not a D. It's not something you would see from a, right. a Carl Icahn or uh, somebody you would consider to be a true activist where that might presage a fight uh, for board seats and the like. This is simply a passive investment as of now. That can change, but you need to take it for what it is. But I think, uh, Carl, the most exciting thing about it is that Twitter has not done well versus other, uh, well, no, the others are all down right now, but Twitter, I think a lot of people see what Twitter could be. I remember when Mark Benioff, what he saw it could be, a great place for ideas, but also DM being effective. And there's no doubt about it. We can get to his number of cars that he managed to make this quarter, uh, which are incredible uh-huh. given, given COVID. But the guy's a winner. And uh, right now, the people who are at Twitter need a, more of a winning. Ad. It's kind of a team that is that has not made the playoffs in many, many years. And that's not Elon makes the playoffs in anything does. By the way, to that point, uh, thanks to Bespoke, today is going to be the fourth time since the IPO that it's gapped up 20 from the prior close. Four Only four times. Wow. Uh, and as for the stake, if you value it at uh, Friday's price, is worth 2.8 billion. It's about one percent of his net worth, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is just stunning, isn't it? 280 <laughs> it is billion. Dollars, obviously, the wealthiest man in the world, Tesla itself. Uh, Are you going toward what what uh, Senator Warren? Is you going to Senator Warren? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, listen, we talk about Musk a lot because he, uh, in part, he creates news, but also because he is the most single iconic businessman in the world. I mean, yes. it's it's beyond business. I mean, he's a he's he, he, he actually envisions things and then makes them happen. I sit here at this desk next to you day after day. He thinks. Gee, why not go to Mars? And he's going to do it. What do you like? He's like, why not RF, he's like RF Kennedy. In a million and a speech. half electric, uh, sell a million and a half electric vehicles this year. And he makes it happen. Why not bore tunnels under? I don't know. You can't well, doubt him. De- so. Deploy satellites and get the Internet to the far reaches of the planet. Right. It's, it, it, Reuse rockets. I mean, it can go it, on and on. It goes on and on. Yeah. But I mean, right. 20 years ago, if he said, I'm going to do all these things, you'd look at the guy like, well, yeah, OK, great. Sure. Knock yourself out there, buddy. Yeah, when, when he, I went to see uh, him get the person of the year. And 
he would only talk about space. And at one point he said, he said, raise your hand if you've been in space. Guy next to me raises his hand. He says, how was it? He says, that's pretty great. He said, well, everybody goes to space. Everybody. I mean, can you imagine? Who would ever say, this guy's something? No, he's, he's, he is unique. Doesn't mean he's any less miserable than a lot of other people on the planet, but he is a unique individual. I think he's the best. I think he and Jensen Wong are the two most two smartest people I've ever met. Wow. Jensen from uh, you know from Nvidia. Yes. Smarts. It's more than right, smarts. So, uh, all right. Well, that's a, intelligence is great, but well, it's I mean, a lot like, more okay, than that. Okay. Yeah, I know. Smart means I'm not talking about book smart. I'm talking about trying to dream and then execute. Right. You to going for it. Music. Going for it. Right. Yeah. Going for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's amazing. By the way, deliveries, Jim mentioned, 310K over the weekend, which you may have seen. Record high, uh, below the street by a touch. Shanghai obviously heard Jim. Right. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think that what happens... When now we're talking does, about Tesla, guys. So yeah, yeah, what happens when he does it is that there are all these uh, faux uh, surprises. I mean, frankly, it was not a surprise. It was a little bit less than the surprise. But then people could say, when you consider the lockdown... In Shanghai, you consider consider COVID. It's an incredible number. So the stock goes yeah. higher than just this. And Berlin's coming online. Yes. Austin, a new factory as right. well. Um, two million cars. Yeah. Right. I mean, He's going for two million. Right. And going to deliver at least on up fifty percent year over year. But Steve Scher's not going with his. No. Well, Hurts. they have a deal already. Steve was a guest on Squawk on Squawk Box. But don't they have a Tesla deal as well? It hurts or no? I thought they did. I but he was really did. talking a lot about Polestar, the yeah. Swedish entry. I love the, by the way, I looked at the note they put out and had giant pictures. Steve. <laughs> giant pictures. Steve. Why not? That's what you yeah, think of. When you think why of Hertz, not? you think That's of Steve right. Scher. Why not? Did he ever, sure. was there ever a giant picture of him when he was the CFO? Of I had a, I used to, I was, I was in a Hertz vehicle uh, when I was down at the premium bases last week. And when I took down the, you know, the, the thing, his picture fell right out. To my left. Steve. There it is. Yeah, they put it in every vehicle. It now. should be. Yeah. It should be. Um, yeah, now, by the way, were you out at Sakhalin? Were Exxon's taking a $4 billion write off, maybe? I was not in Sakhalin. But no. you're going, right? I will not be going. No. David's going to Guyana, Guyana. He's going wherever oil is. He's not going Trying to, to learn a lot about the business so I can talk to you more, David's, more with a more educated David's uh, doing a more deep dive about the changes at Exxon. I'm doing a lot of work on right. a lot of things. Well, the, the rig count data we got on Friday, I mean, thank, as, as I said on Twitter, thank God for the premium. It's the best thing we have going right now. Yeah, it is the best thing. Um, and if you want a job, please go to the southeast. Everybody's looking for workers. And Bechtel, by the way, who builds the LNG, they've got it. They're on time. I mean, Bechtel, every project When is- you go to one of these places, you see so many of the companies that we do talk about in terms of the oil fields and how important... The components right. are, and, yet, and whether it's Lindy that also runs a lot of the, you know, thank you for Lindy. That's a charitable trust name. I don't. No one understands uh, what Lindy really does. Yeah, I know. I said that when I looked when when they were like, oh yeah, Lindy's yeah, building all industrial that. Industrial gases are a fabulous business, and it's also an oligopoly. Hey, by the way, David, yeah. did you know that Fang Diamondback Energy is one of the ten cheapest stocks in the entire market? I did terms know of that. price earnings multiple. No? I think that's silly. It's the great. It's one of the great per, uh, Permian growers. Uh, Permian, the biggest growth comes from the, P, from the private equity companies. Uh, this was one of the worst quarters ever for uh, this last quarter for uh, IPOs. Those guys have to IPO, the, the, per, the Permian guys. Or the smaller merge. operators backed by PE, you think, need to actually come public. And Absolutely. Yeah. We need some. Boy, do we need more IPOs. Well, I thought I, I'd never say that. Well, all, We're going to get to Diamond's letter, but he talks about the slow migration of companies into the p- private space. And what that says about our public markets, whether that's a long-term risk to the country. I think that we're going to watch to see whether uh, Gensler's emphasis on, on not having pie in the sky uh, when it comes to what we're doing uh, with, these, with the projections, that could be very important. You're talking about SPACs. SPACs, yes. Very important. Meantime, uh, really quick, Starbucks uh, founder Howard Schultz returning as CEO on an interim basis. As you know, he's already making his presence felt, announcing the company is suspending the buyback effective immediately. Schultz says, quote, uh, this decision will allow us to invest more into our people and our stores. The only way to create long-term value for all stakeholders, Jim, as he begins stint number three. Well, we know that he's unhappy with the unionization. The roastery, by the way, apparently unionizing. Right. We know that it's very difficult to convince people who work at as baristas 
that they're number one if the shareholders are getting such a big dividend. So I think this makes great sense. It's Howard uh, returning to the company's roots, which is that uh, the baristas uh, should be rewarded. Um, and I think he's probably shocked about the unionization, given how much he's emphasized that if you take our job, it's better than the other guys. So I, I look forward to him coming on the show and talking about how the baristas are number one. And I think you should do it this week. He should come on with us this week? Yes. Okay. This is very important. Do you think it's interesting, Jim, that an interim CEO would be as emboldened to uh, to make a a decision like this? I mean, typically when you think of interim, you think of somebody who's just there to sort of make sure things continue as they were, but doesn't make any significant decisions. Well, that's a good point. But this is Howard Schultz, founder, uh, really trying to, I think, set a new tone, do a reset where we where basically says, look, the earnings are not my focus. Baristas are my focus. Of course, I want to make money eventually. But this little interim where he can reset for whoever's the new CEO is just fantastic. And I look forward to him explaining why he feels that the baristas, uh, maybe more more things that he's going to do for them. Uh, the uh, the unions are pretty. I t- spoke to one of the organizers, and they're chiefly interested in, ch- in uh, being having more control over the hours. Now, I don't know. The early shift is something that people don't want. Maybe they should be compensated more for doing it. So I think Howard's going to work with work with people and explain why the union may not be the best uh, best option. Uh, he gave a long speech in Buffalo about it. He's an impassioned guy. He has a level of bearing that few people in the world have. And I think he can really talk about how it's such a great place to work. He'll do a good job. We got we got beat up a little bit for our discussion on Amazon on Friday um, that we didn't appreciate, I guess, union uh, life and how its importance in American working life. Well, you know, I, I've been I belong to two unions in my life. Helped lead a wildcat strike. Almost ill-advised, by the way. Got a lot of people fired. And my experience is is that um, if you have a union that's adversarial, then you can't protect your people. Uh, and I'm not, I look, unions can be great in this very stressful situation, but uh, Elon Musk doesn't have unionized people, and I think he puts out great product, and I don't see big turnover. All right. We'll keep our eye on it. We'll talk more about the Amazon vote as well, as we're still waiting for those results to be certified. When we come back, an exclusive with AMD's Lisa Sue on the acquisition her company announced this morning, the supply chain, and a lot more. When we come back in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Anything that makes AMD a larger part of the broader ecosystem, whether it be like, I don't know, uh, office intelligence or enterprise or data center strategy means a great deal. And the semiconductor company this morning is announcing a deal to buy privately held Pensando for just shy of $2 billion. And this is exactly where they have to be in order to make it so that Nuco, the Xilinx and uh, AMD, are no longer just PC. And joining us now exclusively to explain is AMD chair and CEO Lisa, Lisa Sue. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on uh, Squawk on the Street. It's great to see you as always. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Carl and David. Great to be here with you this morning. Well, I think this acquisition is, again, a sign 
of where the company's going. It's very high, uh, high let's say, uh, high intelligence. It's more exciting, I guess, but it's also most importantly in the fastest growing area of the world, which is high performance computing. So can, can you tell us where you fit into it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, today's a very exciting day for AMD. Frankly, it's been a very exciting few months. Uh, we just closed our Xilinx uh, acquisition about six weeks ago, and that integration is going great. And we're having a, um, a significant amount of uh, synergy there with our joint customers and portfolio. And then this morning, we're announcing uh, the uh, acquisition of Pensando. Pensando is really, you know, one of those uh, form, uh, foremost pioneers in, you know, this whole data center area. You know, they've thought about how the data center services uh, would be used um, in the future. They built um, a incredible hardware and software distributed services platform, and this is all about for us, Jim, doubling down on the data center. You know, with our portfolio now across CPUs and GPUs and the Xilinx FPGA an adaptive SOC portfolio and with Pensando. Um, this is a fantastic portfolio for the most important customers and the most important workloads um, in the world. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there are a lot of people in the last few weeks have misinterpreted what AMD's up to. Uh, really just uh, thinking that you're doubling down on PCs, uh, that all you care about is gaming. Now, th- those can be good businesses, but when I look at this new mosaic after this and after Xilinx, I think you're probably 50% uh, non uh, well, let's say 50 percent new co, uh, new AMD, and 50 percent old co, and that that, that that pastiche makes it so you're a much faster grower and by better uh, higher margins. Well, we are uh, definitely uh, focused on growth, Jim. You know that we, we're coming off of a very strong 2021. Um, growth story where we grew 68%. Uh, we previously said um, 2022 is another strong growth year for us, um, over 30% in the organic business. And what we see is there is a continuing need for more compute. You know, high performance compute is the fastest growing, the most exciting part of the um, of the industry. And we have all the components for it. So of course, you know, we, we love our traditional, you know, PC and gaming uh, markets, but the data center is the most strategic area and now, you know, when you look at our portfolio across, you know, AMD, the Xilinx portfolio, the Pensando portfolio, when we bring it in, you know, the largest customers, you look at, you know, customers like Microsoft, you look at customers like Oracle, um, you know, IBM Cloud, they've already adopted um, Pensando. We're very uh, much engaged with them across um, the AMD portfolio. Um, Xilinx also brings a great um, set of customers. And so, yes, uh, you know, strategically, I think you're going to see a lot more from us in the, the data center and, and really the embedded markets. Now, in the last few weeks, we've heard that the PC market has slowed. You did say on multiple conference calls you expect it to be flattish. But I do need to know from you overall, uh, because of Ukraine, uh, because of the, so, you know, the tightening of the Fed, whatever, are, are you seeing any sort of slowdown in high performance computing, which is most important for you? Well, really, when you look at the PC market, uh, you know, again, there, there are you know, hundreds of millions of PCs being sold. What you're really seeing is it depends on which segment you're in. So there are some um, areas where you see softness, for example, you know, education and consumer, because they're coming off, you know, just record highs in 2021. But on the other hand, you know, on the high performance side with the enterprise uh, gaming PCs, premium PCs, um, you know, honestly, people are continuing to invest because they want, uh, you know, they want the greater services, the greater capabilities, the greater, um, you know, overall use cases. And so, you know, we are now launching our new Ryzen 6000 platforms um, in premium. We've gained quarter, uh, we've gained revenue share, Jim, for the last eight quarters. And in this market environment, um, I believe we're going to continue to gain revenue share. Hey, Lisa, it's David. You know, you mentioned the integration of Xilinx. Uh, obviously, you'll be integrating this new acquisition as well. I'm wondering if you could just point to something uh, for, your, for our audience, for your investors, in terms of a specific that you're seeing from that integration that is going to contribute to the synergies that you've laid out for the deal in the past. Yeah, David, um, you know, thank you for that. Uh, honestly, I'm so excited about um, what we're doing together. I actually spent last week in Europe um, you know, with Victor Peng, uh, the former CEO of Xilinx, now president um, at AMD. Uh, we actually went to see some of our largest customers. And I can tell you, even in the first six weeks, the excitement that we're seeing from our customers uh, being able to use, you know, sort of the, the AMD technology scale portfolio together with the Xilinx technology and expertise 
um, we see a significant amount of um, synergies with the top customers. And I believe this is really the beginning. You know, I look forward to um, obviously talking about it more as we go through this year and our financial analyst day. But, you know, this has been sort of a strategic journey that we're on, uh, David. It's really about transitioning you know, our portfolio from one that was much more consumer-centric to one that's much more balanced in um, the high-performance compute and adaptive compute space. And you know, together with um, Xilinx and Pensando and the AMD organic portfolio, um, I think we have the best portfolio in the industry. And you know, our customers are really excited about how we put those pieces together. All right, so Lisa, in the last conference call, you were asked about the fungibility of your capacity planning. Can you shift to almost all high-end uh, at Taiwan Semi? Because if, if you're going to grow and you're going to get those gross margins, you really do have to do a pivot and uh, take advantage of the fungibility. Well, as you know, Jim, uh, this, you know, this market has been um, about supply chain, supply chain expertise, operational capability. Um, I'm very proud of what we've been able to do in the supply chain. You know, the, our supply chain has supported the growth. Uh, we absolutely have fungibility. We absolutely believe that uh, you know, we have more than our fair share of capacity because of the deep relationships that we have um, across the supply chain. And frankly, one of the benefits of the larger company for, um, for all of the product lines, including um, the product lines that we're bringing in, is, you know, we will have that larger base and we will absolutely uh, work on um, even growing that supply chain base so that we can uh, support the growth that we see in the market. Okay, I think people all think that all semiconductor companies are created equal. That's not the case. Uh, I'd like to know what you're thinking about gaming uh, 23-24, specifically whether you think the next-gen uh, console cycles is going to be as strong or if not stronger than previous cycles. Yeah, so as I've said previously, this console cycle actually is um, the strongest console cycle um, that we've seen. Uh, you know, we see demand continue to be higher than supply. Um, I know that, um, you know, our, together with our partners, we're all working on getting more supply into the marketplace. Um, it is still in short supply. I can tell you that we've made investments. Uh, we're working closely with uh, Microsoft and Sony and the overall um, ecosystem. Um, from everything that we see, it's a very strong gaming cycle here um, this year and into 23 and beyond. And the key is there are just more gamers out there, right? People are excited about the technology, excited about what... Uh, what's capable. So we're still at the beginning um, of that cycle. Now, uh, Xilinx, you were in Europe. Uh, Xilinx has some great ties with the big telco companies in Europe. When you, are you, is that who you're speaking to? And they love the Xilinx product? I, I really see, you know, if you look at the core markets um, that Xilinx is in between um, the data center market, uh, which is very, very uh, you know, key to us. Uh, the telco market, absolutely, uh, we believe is a very key market and one where uh, together we can expand. I think when you look at um, all of these things, you know, telco or, or data center or um, you know, even industrial, you know, what you're looking for is the ability to mix and match and combine the broadest portfolio possible. So you need CPUs, you need GPUs, you need you know, traditional FPGAs, you need adaptive SOCs, you need things like this distributed services platform um, that we're uh, talking about with Pensando. And we're able to put all of that together. So we have seen just a tremendous interest in, in actually, you know, customers wanting us to do more in telco and, and other areas. Well, this is exactly what we need to see, because I think that your company's been tagged with some sort of uh, notion that it's just cyclical and that the cycle's going down. So I'm really glad to hear about all these exciting things about, about the new stuff that you've got when put together. It's going to matter tremendously. Lisa Sue, CEO of AMD. Thank you so much for, co for coming on Squawk on the Street. Thank you, Jim. Great to see you guys. Great to see you. Cool. All right. Thanks, Lisa. When we come back, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. I'm taking a look here at futures. You know, we've really got one week until earnings begin in earnest. We've got Wendy's just cutting the guide for the year. More Squawk on the Street when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. 
Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome back. Let's get in the mad dash, and then we'll get to the opening bell to start the week of trading. Uh, Carl just mentioned Wendy's. What do we got? Well, there's a little confusion, Wendy's. Absolutely, they are uh, cutting the, the free cash flow look, and you could say they're cutting the outlook, but it's, it's all because of a financing transaction they did. They are reiterating that they're going to make the same store sales, reiterating that they're going to make the numbers away from this financing transaction. So I think those who are selling it, have not done the homework uh, because literally, if you get to still get the eight per six to eight percent growth, you don't buy it, not sell. Right. Okay. So it's not necessarily about the fundamental business. No, it's not about the fundamentals. They, they reiterate that the fundamentals are strong, and that is not. I want to make this very clear. It's not because I, we went by Wendy's this weekend, and my wife said no to the bacon egg. So it has nothing to do with that. She said no. She, yeah, she said that there was a kind of a you know that John uh, was it Oliver. He did a kind of a pastiche of what she does about with the Baconator, and she said no. So I don't think that's why. I mean, some people may see it's going down because of her, that we didn't stop to get the Baconator, the double Baconator, just to be sure. The double Baconator. Double Baconator. Got it. Which was, by the way, grounds for divorce, as John Oliver predicted. By the way, they're, they're also adding to the buyback. That may take some yeah, of the Yes, out of yes, they're adding the buyback. I just think that when people see these things, what happens is they don't understand that there's a lot of ways that numbers can go down. It's not necessarily because of, of performance of the company. So I think Wendy's is a buy on this, uh, $150 million buyback. And, and frankly, this company's been doing incredibly well. Uh, there is a sense well, among all the fast foods that somehow business is going to slow. But they've done some work about in the last recession, McDonald's is the best performer. Uh, Wingstock's up there, too. I don't want to sell Wendy's. I'm going to be a buyer. Let's get to the opening bell here. Get the CNBC real-time exchange. At the big board today, it is Bread Financial, formerly Alliance Data, celebrating its rebranding at the NASDAQ. Uh, Oncology-focused Zentalis Pharmaceuticals celebrating its second listing anniversary. Of course, we just strung together, Jim, a few positive weeks for S&P and NASDAQ. We've not done that in five months. Yeah, look, I think that there's a lot of surprises. Just take Friday. Friday, the market suddenly rallied. And I was writing what I thought was going to happen. And then the last hour, you just got this great, uh, a really great rally. I think it's good. You know, I was talking to my friend, the great Larry Williams, who was saying, look, understand that there is absolutely another two weeks of up uh, historically. I mean, there's just a lot of historical data about April. Uh, and uh, the day we're being positive, and right. I don't want to go against it. I yeah. think it's still seasonally okay. strong. Although there are a couple notes out today, uh, Mike Wilson, Morgan Stanley saying bear market rally over, uh, made sense for the time, natural place for it to end. Well, my, Michael Wilson, he, he he wasn't really a part of the rally. No, no, and I, I think you know the judges had him on up on overtime, and you know how like when you want to make a stake you got to keep it. Like, you don't want to put it all the way up unless you want it to be Pittsburgh. You, you, I, I, Scott made him Pittsburgh. He <laughs> Pittsburghed him. And I think that that was brutal when you get Pittsburgh. How do you like your Mike Wilson, medium rare? Okay. <laughs> I do, but I don't want him burned on the outside, red on the inside. Now, now he didn't make a move. And he, you know, but, but at the same time, I mean, I think at the end of it, you did feel that um, maybe it would be best for a salad or something. You know, like eat it directly. There's a look at Twitter. Uh, B of A, Jim, has a note out this morning. The desk says, what do advertisers think? Uh, they say it's debatable about whether or not adverti- advertisers sometimes like a, a cleaned, scrubbed timeline. Look, I, I worked hard before I presented this proposal to Twitter that they should have a uh, two-track. that you, you pay a subscription, and people have to use their names, and then you can do the free-for-all. you know, the free for all. Uh, And I said, I think that that the subscription, you could necessarily, you could have some higher-end advertisers. The advertisers that I deal with, because they are, unfortunately, they, they are aware of the unfortunate nature of my mentions column, uh, don't want it. They don't want to be there. They, they don't. And, and Twitter also has to make it easier so that you can buy on Twitter and, and, and get the product. Now, Twitter will tell you they're in a lot of, you know, they're part of the conversation, and they clearly are, but the... Um, 
the horrendous nature of the mentions does not make it so Procter & Gamble wants to be there right. as, much, as much as they might be. A lot of the brands are there, but they're not. They're flooding the money away from there. Yeah. Well, they also mention, uh, B of A, that uh, Musk's following, as powerful as it is and the way he moves things like Dogecoin, if you, if you fold Twitter into that universe, better be ready for some more implied volatility on this name. Oh, I think that's very true. I, I also thought when I came in this morning and I saw it up a... I said, finally, someone has decided we got to buy this thing, fix it up. Yeah, but that is not really the case here. Uh, and again, it is a very significant stake uh, uh, at over 9%. And obviously, Mr. Uh, Musk is already up 20 plus percent, 21 percent on that. It's nice to have that happen. Which is nice. Um, by, uh, by comparison, Jack Dorsey it owns about 2.25%. Yeah, it's amazing how much more of Twitter. So clearly Musk owns a lot more Twitter than uh, than its founder does. But I don't know where this leads and nobody else does. Now, it's, many people seem to believe that over time, perhaps this will result in him having a lot of influence. Right now, he's not looking for any board seats. It's a passive stake. Um, but clearly, the market believes that will change well, what do you and think that he about- will be here for a long period of time. It won't be just a trade. You know, sometimes, remember, with Musk, you just don't completely right. know where you stand on certain things. But how about his poll? Do you think there's enough free speech on Twitter? What I don't know what to about? make of that. I don't know what to make the of that. The only one person, right, has been, well, a couple people have been banned. Yeah. A former president has been banned, but yeah. not many others. And when you uh, ask them about the threats, implied threats, they keep telling you that they'll fix it. Uh, but the fact is, is that they want combat. And combat breeds pages. But I think that the advertisers don't want combat. So the daily average users can go up, but it may not be the daily. You know, maybe a sports team wants it. Maybe a, a network wants it. But the uh, it, the fact is, is that uh, if, if Elon Musk can make it so that it's uh, not as um, violent, I think it would be okay. Right, right. I'm wondering what you thought of Lisa Sue's comments about consumer end markets. Uh, B of A's got a note today about Dell because so much of their mix is commercial. They think they could be a bright spot in a period in which we're going to be more wary of consumer end demand. Uh, look, I, the, the new AMD is an enterprise company, uh, very little having to do with low end. The battle right now is HP does a lot of low end. People really jamming that last week. And Dell's been cut twice. Uh, if you look at, say, Intel versus AMD, what she was saying is basically, look, we're not in that battle. We're not in the low end battle. We're only in the high end. And she still goes to Zion's, goes to Europe. She's talking to Telco. She's not talking aerospace. She's talking all the different great things that Zion's brings. So this is a direct move away from enterprise. Just a direct move away. And I mean, away from consumer, consumer. toward enterprise. And the, you know, look, enterprise is strong. Enterprise is definitely strong. High performance is strong. I don't know about consumer. I, worry, I think consumer really is, in the end, uh, work from home, and everybody's got them. Everybody's already set up. Well, look, we always have yeah. this pull through, pull through, pull through, which means that, I mean, even Crocs today, mm-hmm. a downgrade of Crocs is a pull through. Uh, right. There's a lot of like pull through, meaning, and pull through means everybody bought everything during pandemic, yep. and then they don't need to do it anymore. And I think that Intel is pandemic, and I think that absolutely uh, AMD is not pandemic. It's post-pandemic. Jim, like Carl, Jim, I don't know if you saw some of the weakness in the freight-related names on Friday. Uh, well, I have trucking, a line on that. I'm glad you asked. Um, even uh, I think FedEx and UPS were a bit weaker as well. Something called Freight Waves. Uh, it's a business that benchmarks, analyzes, monitors, and forecasts freight markets, um, but also comes out with commentary. And it really moved the market on Friday uh, with this article that then a number of analysts have then sent around who follow it. Take a look, and you can see what we're talking about there. Um, why I believe a freight recession is imminent um, is, uh, is the most recent article talking about capacity expansion always continues well past the peak and can even continue for a time after the market has entered a recession. Talking about the bloodbath of 2019 and saying, uh, for example, we were turning down four loads for every truck a year ago. Today, we're barely keeping our trucks running. and some market, things are so bad that we've resorted to signing up for a load board account to keep them moving, kind of freelancing. So um, some controversy from this, but it, it had an impact. The idea that, in fact, trucking is not uh, going to be strong for much longer. In fact, it's already weakening substantially. Okay, so and I've this is a very data. influential voice, apparently. I'm not familiar with it. I but, have better data. Yeah. 
You have better data than better Mr. Data. Freight Waves? Yeah, I do. Oh. Uh, my source really? nationwide uh, covers, hope to be able to get my source to be able to be on the record. Uh, freight rates have fallen 30 to 35% over the last six weeks. Spot market. 30 to 35%. Wow. But, but, as is often the case, the debate is, he's going talk about supply. Yep. Do you know that there are now more truck drivers, as of, as of last month, in this country than there were pre-pandemic? And that... I thought we had a shortage. No, all I've been hearing ended. about is a shortage. Well, that ended. What, did it end in, like, it ended? I, it took Some day in February, it ended? My information is so good, it's scary. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a quote. No kidding. <laughs> Who's it scaring? I'll try to get it on the record. Will you try and do that for us? I will. I, 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 is it back? Is it back yet? You're better no. than Mr. Freight Waves. Yeah, huh? oh, I'm much better than Mr. Freight Waves. I got nationwide numbers down 30 35%. But the main thing is because there's more drivers. So, therefore, there's more competition. And, by the way, there's a lot of three well, and four local Although you agree with them, potentially. Well, but I'm saying that if there's Booms more, are followed by busts. The typical tr- trucking cycle is three years. tons of demand. And usually what kills it is oversupply. Too many trucks chasing high-paying spot freight and high-load volume. Well, there's not more... There's more drivers. Look, I, I don't. Do I want to be in those stocks? No, but I'm talking about something that could be very good for the country. I'm not wanting to say you buy a freight company. Better freight supply. Yeah, well, how many times do I have to read from these different companies, you know, the Proctors and the Colgate? They, there's a problem with freight, problem with freight, problem with freight. That's going to go away. The domestic. What won't go away, obviously, is the port situation, particularly with the longshoreman contract coming up. But I think the idea that you can no longer have the excuse that, that you want to ship something from Minneapolis to Dallas, that, that's down well, a lot. Shares of Maersk were down a lot. Knight was down, well, as yeah, you know. They're all, they're all um, As this article made the rounds, yeah. Well, no, but it's true. Right. Except for it's worse. 30 to 35% spot rates down. Now, some of these guys have long, they have long deals. So it's worse. Well, there's just a lot, lot of drivers. We thought there was a driver shortage. That's over. It right. ended. It ended in the last six weeks. Kinda, I don't know why. It kind of reminds me of City today, Jim, uh, weighing in on Gary Friedman's earnings call at Restoration last week, was- which they say uh, echoes our proprietary credit card data, home-related spending down for four consecutive weeks, and right. now negative year-on-year, 4%. Yeah, that was, that was jarring. There were two Gary Friedmans. There was the Gary Friedman from the letter that he put out, Cheryl Letter, which was really fabulous. And then there was the Gary Friedman uh, on the conference call, of which there was a, a kind of, let me say, uh, fright. It indicated there's fright, and the wealthy are frightened. frightened. And when the wealthy get frightened, I mean, wow. And he's told me, he had many references to Ukraine, four references to Janet Yellen, two references to Jay Powell. I want references to furniture, and to the great galleries, and, and to London. That was briefly mentioned, but David is really yelling. And at one point, he was talking about like a, kind of like a nuclear war there. I mean, I, I don't know. After I, after I, I was going to, after I read it, I told my wife, so we got we to wow. cut back our order. Wow. I'm not nervous enough. She goes, well, yeah, you are. You're oblivious to what's going on around the world. You're always just in your little world. That's all you care about. And then she said, and I'm not even going to have a Baconator. No, no, it, it yeah. wasn't that same conversation. All you care about, and I'm not even going to have a Clean Baconator. your socks up from the den floor. Oh, no, she did say, if you don't pull your socks, you know how you boil your socks? If you don't pull them, then you're going to get them back just like that. <laughs> By the way, real quickly, guys, talking about somebody else who seems to be a bit nervous, Jamie Dimon. Of course, we haven't really talked about the Jeez. letter. Um, his annual letter. Uh, yeah. In which he sort of goes, uh, talks a bit about of what the expectations may be in terms of Russia and Ukraine and perhaps further sanctions, what that's going to mean for the global economy, obviously uh, as well for the euro area where he sees what GDP growth, uh, there are economists at least at JP Morgan of 2% yeah. in 2022 instead of what previously been expected to be as much as 4.5% pace of growth for those countries even as little as six weeks ago. And then he goes on to say the Federal Reserve and the government did the right thing by taking bold, dramatic actions following the misfortune unleashed by the pandemic. It worked, but also in hindsight, the medicine, as in fiscal spending and QE, of course, was probably too much, lasted too long. And the Fed gets it just right. We can have years of growth and inflation will eventually start to recede. But he goes on to say, who knows, in a, in a way. And one thing he predicts is volatile markets. Yeah, um, it, it didn't. You know, had the usual parts about how America's great, but uh, a little bit about fintech there, but there and how he's handicapped by having to have you know, has all those deposits. But overall, when I read it again, I had the feeling of restoration of our age, which is that 
you need to be more worried if you're invested. I mean, the takeaway if you read this is, well, I got to cut back a little. Right. And, and I don't know if he meant to have that happen, but it made me feel much more uncertain about the world. Uh, and this, I'm hoping it's very interesting. Is the United States going for a tire for a win in Ukraine? I mean, are we just settling for this Russia being this way? Because in, when you read this note, he's really kind of saying that there's, the West has gotten together, and that's amazing, but that, uh, and that they have to go to China and say, listen, we need your help to end this war, basically. If that happens, then there's no reason to be, as, in, as, uh, let's say, as concerned as he is. But if it doesn't happen, I understand. I, Russia, again, size of Italy uh, in terms of GDP, size of Texas, and yet calling all the shots in this world right now. Uh, The images in in, uh, Buka over the weekend are just unbelievable, just heart-shattering. By the way, uh, Goldman today does name JPM top pick going into earnings a week from today, uh, based on better fees uh, relative to Wells or Morgan Stanley. I think there was a a good, interesting advanced micro. No one listened. Stocks was up $1.07, and now it's, it's going right down. People don't want the semis. They don't want the banks. So I think that J.P. Morgan is debt. That's a great note, but no one's buying it. Uh, they're just not buying it. And it's really incredible to me because I think the stock is cheap, but it just doesn't seem to matter. Right. We'll see what happens uh, in a week. When we come back, uh, David's got an exclusive with Liberty Media's Greg Maffei. Talk about a wide range of topics, including his recent announcement about Formula One's Grand Prix coming to Vegas. As we go to break, Kind of a light week for macro. We will get ISM services tomorrow. Two year got almost to 2.5 today, and the twos tens uh, still inverted. Back in a moment. Formula One and Liberty Media announcing last week its third U.S. Grand Prix will be held in Las Vegas next year. Joining us now to discuss that and a lot of other things, Greg Maffei, Liberty Media's president. And CEO Greg, always good to have you. Let's start off on uh, on Vegas 2023. You guys also, though, I know, are serving as the promoter and I guess also taking on, therefore, the risk of the business side of the race. That's different, right, than what goes on in Miami and Austin, for example, isn't it? Why? Well, hello, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're correct. The role we're assuming in Las Vegas is broader than we normally have, where we have a local partner who does most of the arrangement, takes a lot of ticket risk, works on local sponsorship and the like. Uh, Here, because of the nature of Vegas, because of the opportunity we saw, because it's probably close to our uh, home office in Denver, all those set up well for us to take on a a large role here. Uh, And what are your expectations when things get moving? I mean, you've now got three sites in the US. Uh, Viewership seems to be up strongly. Your stock price, actually, Greg, has had a heck of a year at this point as well. Um, you know, what does Vegas add? Why was there a need for a third venue in the U.S.? Well, I don't think I would describe it, David, as a need. I would describe it as an opportunity. Uh, you rightly noted that last year in Austin, we had uh, an amazing race, the largest race in the history of uh, Formula One in terms of attendees, and up probably about five times what it was five years ago. Uh, in terms of attendees. We have an upcoming race, inaugural race in Miami, uh, May 6th to 8th, uh, sold out in about uh, 36 hours. Um, Tickets are trading in the secondary market for huge premiums. So demand is very strong. So the opportunity to continue to ride on that demand, as you noted, the strength in in viewership, both on ESPN and with Drive to Survive, the opportunity to capitalize on that, to recognize our growing fan base here in the U.S., recognize the strength of sponsorship here in the U.S. All of those, Vegas, set that opportunity up and the opportunity to capitalize more. Yeah, you mentioned ESPN. A number of your investors have asked me, and therefore I'll ask you, you know, a renegotiation with ESPN about fees. What are your expectations there? When will that begin? Uh, Well, that's ongoing. We are this year, we're on ESPN, and next year we're looking for a broadcast partner. We have a lot of interest. ESPN has been a great partner. They got a very good deal because uh, we've had rising popularity and they've capitalized on that as well. Uh, Our hope is we'll find a great partner going forward, which could be ESPN or it could be somebody else. And it's likely to be at a much better price for us. It's hopefully still good for our partners, for our broadcast partners, too. Oh, Greg, it's great to see you, Jim Cramer. It's been a long time. Uh, Can you talk to us about the competition 
I, I, you know, look, this was a Mercedes thing. I mean, Mercedes won every single time. And I kind of got bored with it. But you've got many different competitors now. Uh, the Red Bull seemed very good. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking that this is the beginning of a new year where Mercedes doesn't win every year? Yeah, I do think that, Jim. I think what has happened is uh, over the last five years, uh, we've had a series of changes to our relationship with the teams under the agreement, we the Concord Agreement. And there were probably three or four things that were seminal in making this a more competitive market. First, a new car design, which throws off less drag and gives more potential for overtaking. Uh, a second, a uh, cost cap, which brought the field much closer in terms of spending. Uh, third, some leveling out of how we paid out the winning revenues. Basically, the team shared the profits with us and it was very heavily stacked. We evened it out a little more so that the midfield, middle teams can do better. And lastly, we created these teams as franchises. Before we could add or subtract a team at our will, now the teams are franchises, which really attracted investment into the middle level teams. All of that has led to uh, a far more competitive environment. And we've seen teams like Haas, which were traditionally very much laggards, be very competitive this year. We've seen Ferrari renewed in front of the pack. So a lot of excitement, and I think we'll see more through the rest of the season. All right. Well, uh, Greg, we, uh, our viewers have been able to take a look at your stock price over the last year. And, uh, you know, uh, again, a question there on cap structure, because that's what people come to expect from a Liberty company that you're going to optimize. Um, too late to buy back stock? Hmm. Well, we did buy back some stock in the prior quarter, and we do have an open to purchase. So we'll see. Just a we'll see. That's all I get out of you? A we'll see? <laughs> we'll see. What does that mean? This is Greg Maffei. Yeah, what does that mean? We, we, we tend to te- express our openness and willingness to buy. We tend not to absolutely communicate our exact plans. We just think that's smarter. Uh, understood. All right. And while we have you, let's move on to quickly a couple of other areas as well. A company, it's, it's funny, you own as much as 30% now of Charter. I guess it's accreted up a bit because of their own buyback. Um, you know, Greg, I continue to hear concerns about people who invest in cable uh, of the uh, building that's going on by the likes of AT&T. You know, you guys seem to keep downplaying it. And I'm curious, 12 million homes that they're going after, you know, underbuilt building where they already have copper. Why isn't that a real potential uh, competitive threat to the likes of Charter and or other operators? Yeah, a couple things. First, David, we're actually about 26 percent of Charter, and that's where we're capped. Uh, that's what I thought. Capital. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm sorry. I, I checked that and somehow I saw a different number. But OK, sorry. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Just clarifying. Um, secondly, I think uh, AT&T has actually expressed that they're going to go for 16 million homes. I remain a little more dubious. They're at about uh, uh, 14, 15 percent of our fiber, of our footprint that they've already overbuilt. And probably, as is human nature, they've overbuilt the easiest, the aerial and the most densely uh, populated because that's the biggest opportunity. Um, I think we've fared very well, Charter, in those territories and continue to grow even where they have fiber. And I think the road ahead for them on building out is probably more difficult than the road behind. Finally, baseball season starting. You're the world champions. I'll say it once. Although somehow you Thank let you. Freddie Freeman leave. Don't know how you managed to do that. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> But you are the champions. Uh, there was a strike. You know, do you see it as debilitating at all in terms of the uh, in terms of the season? Uh, any lasting impact from the work stoppage? Obviously, the season's getting going very soon. Yeah, I think first uh, I'm excited for the season. We were sad to see Freddie go to the Dodgers, but as you know, we signed Matt Olson and several other players. I feel our bullpen is particularly well set up, so I'm very excited about the coming season. And it turns out the Mets didn't buy every player who was available. Uh, there was not, as you know, a strike, but actually a lockout. And I'm glad that the, uh, the MLBPA and the MLB were able to come to terms. I don't believe there will be lasting ramifications. I see a lot of excitement out there for what's going to be ahead for baseball. And certainly there's a lot of excitement in what's ahead for baseball in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, and finally, you're SPAC. You still haven't done a deal, have you? Any chance of getting one done? Well, we hope so. We have a lot of prospects we're working with. We have a lot of opportunities. It's obviously a difficult environment for SPACs, but in some ways, I think that creates the opportunity for a strong corporate player like Liberty, who's got not only a strong investor base in our SPAC, but the potential to backstop our SPAC 
either through redemptions or an incremental pipe on our own. So all of those, I think, actually create opportunity. We're hopeful. Uh, we're optimistic. And as I said, we're working on a bunch of interesting things. All right. Greg, always good to have you. Uh, look forward to seeing you again, perhaps in person as, uh, as soon as we can as well. Greg Maffei, CEO of Thank Liberty. You. Thanks to all of you. Thank you. Jim, what are we going to do? Stop trading or what's on tonight? Well, your CBC's on the McLaren car. I think McLaren is going to be a top five. McLaren's very – this whole thing's very – So Netflix. we're a sponsor it, of yes, the McLaren yes. car? It, it's very exciting. And, and I've got to tell people – it's very addictive. And, and I used to be addicted to just NASCAR. I'm mean, going for this. Uh, it's very – I'm not kidding. My office is very exciting. Younger people. I know. I wish we could have showed some video. Why didn't we Pro- have that? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a rights maybe problem. A McLaren, <laughs> maybe a McLaren passing Mercedes. The, the, uh, by the way, Ferrari's very interesting. The whole thing is exciting because it used to be eight times Mercedes – and now Mercedes is like just one of one of many. Okay, so we have Qualcomm announcing uh, a big acquisition, which I think is going to matter tremendously because Qualcomm's going to be not just cell phone. And then everyone remember they closed they closed the acquisition. Yeah, closed it. Yeah. Everyone remember Mark Laurie was running a Walmart, uh, uh, you know, the Walmart.com basically. And before that, is he did diapers.com and he's done Jet.com. Well, he's doing a thing called Wonder Truck, and I've used it. It's the most exciting thing. I mean. You, you, Bobby Flay comes to your boys, not Bobby Flay himself, comes, make a truck right to your house, okay? And you order, and they make it right there. And it is just extraordinary. I'm in a, I'm in a test town, Summit's test town, Westfield. If this comes to you, it's gonna change your life. It's gonna change your life. Fabulous. I don't know about urban, but you, know, you can order Chinese for one person, Mexican for another, the truck comes. I wouldn't get in, I tried to get in the truck, I was knocking, they wouldn't let me in. But Wonder Truck is the future. Uh, what can't we to hear about it. I'll see yeah. you tonight. Mad Money at 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.